Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, would you, with you, would you please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we're reading tonight verses 10 to 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. We're, uh, we're not in a series in Corinthians. We've, we did do a series on Corinthians many years ago. But uh, while I was away on holiday, this was a passage that was really burning in my heart uh, for bringing tonight for when we came back. And uh, I believe this is something God would have a study. So let's read the word of God from verse 10 through to 17, and then we'll study it together. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Please keep your Bibles open there. I wonder if you have ever heard the name John F. Parker. Now, we have some Americans here tonight, so uh, maybe uh, they have done. But uh, I wonder how many of you have done. But he is the uh, gentleman who became famous on the 14th of April, 1865, as the man who deserted his post. You see, this man was the bodyguard for President Abraham Lincoln when he went to the cinema, the Ford Theatre, not the cinema, the Ford Theatre to see a, a play called Our American Cousin. And he was meant to be guarding the president that night. Uh, but while the show was on, he couldn't see the show from where he was guarding the president. He could hear it, and it sounded good, but he couldn't see it. So he moved to get a better view. Anyway, in the intermission, he uh, went right away from the president, and he found some friends who were going to the saloon. And he decided to go with them for a drink. And that left the opportunity open for John Wilkes Booth to shoot the president in the head just six inches away because he was the man who deserted his post. And history was changed because of a man's unfaithfulness to his task. Well, tonight I want to challenge you and myself to faithfulness to the task of building God's church. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ said these words. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against them. He is building his church. But as we see in this Bible passage, if you look in the verse before this one, it says, for we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You are God's building. And we are co-workers with the Lord Jesus in his task. And you know, when you get saved, when you become a Christian through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God not only redeems you, but he redirects you into the task of helping build his church for the glory of God. And that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be concentrating on in our Christian lives. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3, it says there's a time and season for everything under heaven. And in verse 3, it says there is a time to build. And now is the time to build. When we get to heaven, that time will be past. Now is the time to build, and we should be building God's church. So what we want to do is look at this passage that Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to do this uh, under three headings. Because he encourages them to make sure they're building on the right foundation, in light of inspection, and in spite of opposition. Those are the three things that he brings out in this passage. As he exhorts the divided church at Corinth to stop fighting and start building the church and walking with the Lord. Now, just for the sake of visitors, we're not a divided church, okay? We're not fighting, so I'm not preaching it for this purpose. But I feel that God is encouraging us to keep our focus uh, on the task he has given us. So first of all, then, let's see that the Lord calls us to build on the right foundation in verses 10 and 11. And in verse 10, Paul says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Now, the image that Paul is using here of himself is an image that's taken from the Old Testament book of Kings. Do you remember when King Solomon was building the temple that David, his father, had been given the designs by God for? He knew he couldn't build it all on his own. So he got in touch with a man from Lebanon, uh, or Tyre, as it was known in those days, uh, the king of Tyre, and he asked him to send him a man who could help him build. And when 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 13, we read these words. It says, Now King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a bronze worker. He was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. So he came to King Solomon and did all his work. So repeat really of what happened in the temple, in the tabernacle I should say, when God gave gifted artisans to build the tabernacle. Special men were raised up. Well Paul says this was his task in the New Testament. He was the wise master builder, Greek the architecton, who is laying the foundation for the church in Corinth. And that's what he did when he went to preach there as we read in Acts chapter 18. He laid the foundation for the church. Now what was the foundation he laid there? He tells us what it is uh, in verse 11. He says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation for the church was Jesus Christ and is Jesus Christ. The foundation never moves. It's still there uh, to this day. And Paul says he laid that through his preaching as he brought the gospel to Corinth. He laid the foundation of Christ for them 
to build on. And that was actually what the Lord wanted all his disciples to do. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, you'll remember Paul says uh, in, in that passage that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. But we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets in as much as they taught the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the foundation that we're building on to this day. And Paul says that there is no other foundation that we can build on. There's no other one that can be laid than that which has been laid. And that's very important to see because we live in a day and an age where people are trying to build on other foundations. Some people are trying to build on the foundation of tradition. Some people are trying to build on the foundation of religion and religious, religiosity and practice. Uh, some people are trying to build on, on religion uh, uh, on, on the foundation of uh, personal preferences and things like this. But Paul said the foundation is Jesus Christ and him alone. That's the only foundation anyone can build on, Christ. As Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say in his little quip, Christianity is Christ from beginning to end. It's because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again for our justification. All rests entirely on him. And you know, that's one of the things that makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world. You know, you can have Buddhism, but you don't have to have Buddha. You can have Islam without having Muhammad, but you can't have Christianity without having Christ. Christianity is Christ, and we build on his foundation. Like the wise man in the Lord Jesus parable who built his house on the rock, we want to make sure that we are building on him. And I want to ask, are you doing that personally? Are you doing that personally? As, a, as a, an active Christian, are you building on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you making sure that what you're involved in, what you're doing, is about building on Christ. Nothing else will last for eternity. Nothing else will be unmovable as a foundation for the future except him. So test and make sure that that is the foundation you're building on. Second thing I want you to see here uh, this evening is that we are to be building not only on the right foundation, but we're to be building in light of inspection. And that's really uh, what we see in verses 12 through to 15. I, I heard of a, a pastor who was talking to a member of his congregation on the door uh, after the service and uh, somebody walking past grabbed a snippet of the conversation and they overheard the pastor saying to the church member, so let me get this right, he said, you're saying I need to put more fire into my sermons, is that right? And the man said, no pastor, I'm saying you need to put more of your sermons into the fire. <laughs> Now, that, that is a joke, but at the same time, it's true. All our works are going to go into the fire. And that's what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He's telling us that there is actually going to be a day of judgment for Christians. Now, that's a shock to some people. Some people don't think there's going to be a day of judgment for Christians, but there is. But here's the good news. It's not a day of judgment for our sins. Our sins were judged in full, not in part, at Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. 
And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I will not get to heaven and have to give an account for the things I've done wrong if I've trusted in Christ and been washed clean in his blood because my sins have been washed away. Praise God. But there is a day of judgment for the believer's works. And this is what scripture is very clear about. If you just turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter 5, you'll see uh, Paul talked about it again later on to this same church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the apostle said, For we must all, meaning all Christians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In other words, whether he's done well or not. And what Paul is talking about there with the word judgment seat is the bema seat. The Greek word there is bema seat. And it was the word that was used for uh, when in the Olympics or in the games when the people received the prizes for how well they had done uh, with their work. And uh, that's the, the type of judgment the believer is going to face. We are going to have our works judged by the Lord, and he will examine our works to see how we have done. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 also talks about this. Peter says, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Notice he doesn't say who judges according to conduct yourselves uh, he doesn't say a judges according to each one's sin if they've been saved, but judges according to each one's work. Our works will be judged. And this is what Paul is talking about back in our, our, our base passage tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And that's why he said earlier on when he talked about the foundation, let each one take heed how he builds on it. Because there is going to be an examination, an inspection of how we have built in our Christian lives, how we have built on the church, uh, the foundation of Christ. And each one of us has a part in building. And Paul lays out here uh, the details about this inspection. The purpose of it, as we see, is to determine rewards. If you go back to verse 8 in this passage, you'll notice Paul said, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. God is going to reward people in his church for how they have done in their service to him. And that's what the inspection is for. Now again, I just want to labour this point and be clear, we're not talking about salvation here. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous, it is a gift for the guilty. And that's the only way you can be saved. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We come in faith in the finished work of Christ, not in our works for Christ. But when we are saved, then we want to serve the Lord. The poet said, I cannot work my soul to save that work my Lord has done, but I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear son. And that's how we feel, isn't it? We want our lives to be devoted to him. And that's why the Lord taught us those parables, like the one we read earlier, the parable of the talents, teaching us about how God has given us abilities to use for him in his service. And he is looking for 
fruit from that when the Lord Jesus comes back. Now, when will this, uh, this all take place? Well, we believe it will happen at the rapture of the church. When the Lord Jesus gathers his church to himself, then his church will come before him at the beamer seat in heaven and receive their rewards before coming back uh, at the second coming. You can read about that a little bit in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. But God will then give the crowns and the responsibilities, as he said there, uh, enter into your master's work. And uh, the inspection will be based on three levels. It will be based on methods. It will be based on methods. Have a look again at verse 10. Paul said, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. How? That's talking about our methods. And our methods matter very much. Uh, How we go about doing God's work. You know, I was taught in uh, my early days, as long as it's Bible-based, it's okay. But then I found that wasn't true. Because you know, when the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to him with temptations that were Bible-based. He said, is it not written in the scriptures that if you throw yourself down off here, the angels will catch you? It was a Bible-based temptation. And I realized it's not about being Bible-based. It's about being biblical. And there is a difference. And our methods must be biblical. God cares about our methods as well as our message. And we're to do God's work, God's way. If we want his reward and his blessing. And that's why he says take heed how he builds on it. Not only that, the inspection will be according to our motives. If you're in chapter uh, 3, just go across to chapter 4 and verse 5 and you'll see Paul said this. He said, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Paul was saying that one day the secrets of our hearts, why we have done things, will be examined before the Lord. And uh, the, 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 the motives for serving will be a part of the inspection. Have we done it for Christ? Or were we doing it for ourselves? You know, it's sad to say, isn't it? Sometimes people do ministry for their own glory. Mine be the kingdom, the power and the glory. And they, they, they want the attention to go to them. Well, that won't get the reward. We have to be doing it truly for Christ and uh, motivated by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God for sinners. And uh, that's, that's the motives we need to be make sure that we're, we're working with. But then here in this passage especially, Paul deals with the materials we're building with. And that's what he talks about in verse 12. He says, now if anyone builds on this foundation of Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Now what he's listing here is the different grades of materials that could be used in building the temple. Now, 
you'll notice there's three positive and three negative. Gold, silver and precious stones. Now in my mind I want to say gold, silver and bronze. (laughs) But he's not talking about the Olympics here. He's talking about the temple. And you remember, those were the materials the disciples pointed out to the Lord Jesus. Look at the precious stones. Look at the gold and the silver. And he said, not one of these things will stand upon uh, another uh, after that day. So he says, those are the, the, the things that actually, in this context, are the right things to be building with. Gold, silver, and precious stones. But the things that will be destroyed and will fail the test are the wood hay and the straw because if you look at it it says in verse 13 that the judgment will be revealed by fire because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work what sort it is now if you put wood hay and stubble through the fire it's all going to burn up isn't it it's tinder it'll burn up beautifully but it'll be gone there'll be nothing out at the other end but gold silver precious stones they can all go through the fire and come out the other side. In fact, in Numbers 31, there's a time when the Israelites went to battle and uh, the priest told them to cleanse the things like gold, silver, and so on by purifying it through the fire. That's in Numbers 31. So those are the things we want to be building with. Now, what, what does it represent, gold, silver, and precious stones? Well, when we read in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is better than rubies, and he who loves her uh, gets something better than silver and gold. We realize that the gold, the silver, the precious stones is to build with this. To build with the word of God. And that is what will pass the test on the day of judgment. Have we built faithfully with the word of God? Now, this may sound a little bit unnecessary, But it is actually a warning that Christians do need to take heed to. Because in the Christian life, we often try to do God's work in ways that are sincere, but not sound. I'll give you a little clue, and I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, okay? When Heather and I were growing up, uh, our children were growing up, uh, we looked at a lot of Christian materials for teaching our children and uh, one of the things we looked at was the VeggieTales videos. And the VeggieTales videos, if you don't know them, they're little vegetable characters, cartoon characters, and they, they, they tell uh, different Christian uh, videos, uh, teaching videos. Now, we found the VeggieTales series was mixed. We found the ones on ethics, like don't, teach, uh, don't tell lies and things like that, they were excellent. So we used those. But the ones that were on Bible stories, you would hardly even recognize them as the Bible stories. And so we said, we're not using those because they weren't true to the word of God. Now, that's just one type of thing we're talking about here. And it's very important when we're using the materials, what type of materials we're using for God's work. When we give out tracts and literature, are we giving out literature that is scriptural? And sound. It's the word of God that works in men's hearts. One theology professor taught his students and he said, load your sermons with scripture. He said, your words are like paper pellets compared to the gunshot of the word of God. He's absolutely right. The word of God is what will really do the work. So we want to stress that we're building with the right materials. That's why we're fussy about what we sing in this church. 
you know, because some songs have got a great tune to them, but they're not biblical. And I know most Christians draw their theology from their songs as well as from their Bible. So we've got to be careful. If we sing songs that are not true, people are going to get things in their head wrong. And that's not going to pass the test on the day. So in everything we're doing, whether it's Bible notes that we give out the, for, for uh, people, like you know what, what daily devotionals we give out, and things like that, we've got to make sure it's, it's, it's biblical and it's handling the word of God accurately if we want a good reward for it at the end of the day. That means we've got to be fussy. That means we've got to be discriminatory. That's something Christians don't like to be. But we do need to be if we want gold, silver and precious stone rather than see it all go up in smoke at the end of the day. I don't know about you, but I want the rewards. <laughs> I don't want to labour here a lifetime and then see it all burnt up on that day. So we must make sure that we are building for that inspection. You say, John, how, what will happen if it does go through successfully? Well, verse 14 tells us, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And the Lord will give rewards in heaven for faithful service according to these things. Now, what are those rewards? Well, in scripture, we're told of five crowns that the Lord will give. And you can look them up in your concordance this week. And uh, that'll be a good Bible study for you in the New Testament. Five and the five crowns, uh, like Paul said, the crown of righteousness or the crown uh, given to those uh, who endure temptation in James chapter 1 and so on. There are five crowns that are given. And we read in the book of Revelation how they cast their crowns before the Lord. But I believe there are other rewards as well. And this ought to motivate us to serve the Lord. There's many passages which speak about the heavenly inheritance that we will get. And I think it's actually very exciting. It makes heaven something to look forward to. At one level, we have a base level inheritance that we have through the finished work of Christ. That comes to us like a, a will, an inheritance from parents. You don't earn that. You know, that's what they've left. That's what you receive. And we have an inheritance from the Lord. But we also have rewards for faithful service. Then there's the treasure we lay up in heaven as we give, according to Jesus. We lay up treasure in heaven. And some have been laying up a lot more than others <laughs> in heaven. You know, if we spend our money uh, uh, on ourselves entirely down here on earth, we're not saving up anything in heaven. And I like the preacher who said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And uh, that's something which the Lord will, will bless to you. But uh, you also have uh, the rewards for, for faithful service. And that is something the Lord will add to us uh, if we're true to him. I just want you to take it to heart that the Lord has that as his desire, to bless you in that way. Now, you may think to yourself, well, hang on, John, you know, we shouldn't really be doing it for rewards. We should be doing it just out of, you know, the goodness of our hearts. Listen, God made you. He knows how you work. He knows. He knows children. <laughs> he's a father and I can tell you as a father if I wanted to get my children to do something uh, uh, the best incentive is to have a reward system and they will move to do things to get a reward let me just ask you this simple question I think Ray Comfort uses this in one of his videos 
would you give out more tracts? Would you give out more tracts if you were going to be paid £20 for each tract you gave out? I'll tell you what, I'd be giving them out left, right and centre, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd be doing it for the incentive of the money, but that's the point that the Lord's making. He says, you know, do it for the reward. And Paul himself said at the end of his life, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. He was looking forward to that reward. God is not unjust, said Hebrews 6 verse 10, to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It's something for us to look forward to and to motivate us into Christian service. Stephen Alford, the famous preacher, when he was a young man, he was involved in a serious accident and he was lying in a hospital bed, having lived a selfish life after becoming a Christian. And his father in Africa sent him a letter that had been posted two weeks beforehand. And he didn't know that he would be in an accident in a hospital bed when he received this letter. But the letter came through with a little poem in that some of you know very well. It said this, "'Tis only one life will soon be passed." Only what's done for Jesus will last. And that motivated him to give his life to serving the Lord and changed the course of his life. And uh, it should do for us too. But if, if, if the work doesn't pass, verse 15 says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Again, just to emphasize, this is not a salvation judgment. This is a judgment of our works. And uh, we'll be sad in one sense that our, our rewards haven't borne any fruit, but we'll be grateful still at least for salvation from our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's make sure as we're building, we're building on the right foundation and we're building in light of his inspection. Thirdly, I want you to see We are to be building in spite of opposition. And that's how Paul ends this passage here in verses 16 and 17. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. When Paul speaks here about the church being the temple of God, it's a phrase that's used more than once in the book of Corinthians. And uh, he is talking here about the church collectively. Now, in chapter 6, he talks about our personal bodies being like the temple of God. And that's why we mustn't uh, engage them in sin, because we'll engage the body that God has sanctified uh, in sinful Uh, things but here he's talking collectively about the church being the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in us by the way that's an encouragement isn't it you know we're collectively here tonight the spirit of God is in all of God's people and he is here among us in our hearts that's a fact whether you feel it or not is irrelevant that's in your bible black and white and it's true the spirit of God is filled in this place Because we are the people of God gathered together. But what he says here is very important. He says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, 
God will destroy him. Now, that verse is warning us against people who try to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And sadly, sometimes in Christian work, it can be like a demolition derby. I remember hearing of a pastor who was asked once, he said, he was asked, how many of your, your, your church members are active? And he said, oh, they're all active. He said, 50% are active for me and 50% are active against me. And sometimes it can be like that. You know, there can be a struggle and a battle in a church. And this is what it was like in Corinth. There was uh, different parties and people were fighting. And some people were willing to bring in false doctrine and all sorts of things which were bad for the church. And Paul's warning, if you defile the temple of God, God will destroy you. You know, I think he's uh, looking back at what happened in the Old Testament in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, where he, as, as is recorded in Daniel chapter 11, brought uh, the, the, the pig onto the altar of the Jewish temple and defiled the temple. Some people do a spiritual thing like that in the church of Jesus Christ. They defile the church of Jesus Christ and bring terrible things in, false teaching and uh, also wrong behavior and this is serious because he says for the temple of god is holy which temple you are we need to be very careful that uh, we make sure we we are building and not destroying and we're working for the work of god not resisting and working against it in different ways the holy spirit lives in us and he wants the temple to be built to the glory of god what things can be used by the devil to bring opposition? This is a good Bible question. If you ever got a Bible study group in your home group and you, you're caught off hand, ask yourself this question. Okay, this is a good question to ask the group. Okay, if you were the devil, what would you do to destroy the church? What would you do to destroy the church? Start thinking about things. It comes very quickly and easily what you would do. And you find very quickly those are the things the devil is doing. What would you do? I would bring in corruption. False teaching. If you can corrupt the message, the church will fall. Has the devil brought false teachers into the church? Yes, he has. And uh, that's one of the ways he's working. People campaigning. You know, you have groups, lobbying groups in the church, like they did in Corinth. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. You know, they wanted their movement to triumph over the others. And it became a, a battleground in that way. Criticism. Criticism is a destructive thing. I have seen a church destroyed by the power of a woman's tongue. David Jeremiah said this. He said, make up your mind to be happy in church. I found through the years that if someone in my congregation comes to me unhappy about something, there's probably a good reason for it. I listen and try to resolve the problem. But when someone is unhappy about everything... I found the problem is likely to be in his or her own heart. These dear souls, God bless them, see everything through disgruntled, disconsented sets of eyes. And it's true, sad sadly, sometimes there are people like that and uh, they do terrible damage. We need to be very careful that we are doing the work of the Lord, not the work of the devil in the church. And those of us who are laboring, sometimes we've got to labor in spite of the opposition to keep building the church. So let's make sure we have perseverance built in to our character.
So coming back to that first story about the man who deserted his post. Are you faithful in your post? Are you faithful to the calling God has given you? Faithful to build the church if you've become a believer of Jesus Christ? I hope so. And I hope, therefore, that you will receive a great reward. And I'll have the joy of seeing you in heaven with the rewards for your gold, silver, and precious stones, how you have served the Lord Jesus Christ, building on the foundation that is Christ alone.